Somebody said amen. Man, you may be seated for just a moment. So thankful that you're here tonight. Great to be able to come to the house of the Lord. Thankful that we have a place to come. And uh, looking forward to what God's going to do tonight. Excited about tomorrow. They're going to finish pouring our parking lot. And uh, be thankful. Not this weekend, but a week from this weekend, we will be able to have all of our parking places back. And it's going to be great already. The problems, many of them that we had with water coming back in the foyer have been resolved. And we're thankful for that. Also thankful for this coming weekend. It is ministry accent weekend and a night or a morning that we will share our vision for the year. And I pray that you'll be here. Immediately after service, we're going to have a time of fellowship and food. And so we're asking every family to bring enough for you and your family and a little more. And I know that we will have a great time, always do. We're going to be highlighting all of the ministries of our church and the many things that we are attempting to do. And if there's something that touches you during that service, you want to be involved, then you'll know who to talk to. We're excited about that. And then if the Lord wills and uh, everything goes as planned, Brother Tyler Stevenson will be with us the next weekend to begin revival. And I am excited about that. Amen. The last few weeks we have been taking Wednesday night to prepare ourselves for what I believe will be a great move of God in coming weeks. We've already experienced some of that, such a great breakthrough around here a week ago Sunday. I'm thankful for that. It was great to have Brother and Sister Bernard with us. What an honor to have them come. And give us both services. Typically, he does not do that. So we were doubly blessed Sunday. Such great people and thankful that they were with us. But uh, we're glad you're here tonight. We have talked to you about the cleansing of our bodies and our minds and our soul. That spiritual detox, we could call it. And pray that God would let that happen in all of us. Talked about the most critical uh, toxin is sin. We must never uh, change our mind or our opinion about what God defines as sin. Last week we talked to you about the toxic mind. And it is so important that we make sure that we keep our minds Uh, in the right vein and this is what I have discovered toxic minds produce toxic emotions which produce toxic behavior which produces a toxic life you cannot have one without the other because they are all so interrelated the way that we are made and so tonight Uh, My intention was to speak to you 
about toxic emotions. And then I found out my brother was going to be in town. And I thought, man, who better that could talk to us about that than him? But this is, as he's getting ready to come, this is what I want all of us to consider. That we all have them, emotions. And we can live in denial and act like we don't ever get angry or we don't ever lose our temper or we don't ever think or say bad things or we don't get depressed or discouraged. But all of us have emotions that are affected by what goes on in our mind. And emotions can become toxic. And not that that emotion in itself is bad, but it's what we allow it to become. It's part of life. I would not want to live without some kind of emotion. It would be a tragic world if you could not express love and appreciation and kindness. And it is also a tragic world when we allow those things to be sabotaged and they become infected and poisoned. And so I pray tonight that God will help us to understand the impact When I was doing my own research and study on this particular subject, I was astonished to find out that research, most recent research, found that chronic negative emotion, not not that you have a negative emotion, but when they're chronic, when they continually come up, that they fuel chemical responses in your body that are responsible for all kinds of disease, Adrenal dysfunction, diabetes, depleted immune system, stomach problems, havoc in the hormones, male and female, and they cause memory loss. When I read that, I thought, oh, Lord, I need somebody to preach to me right now. So, Brother James, come and talk to us a little while. Everybody say, give us the word. Praise the Lord, everyone. If you will turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5, let's start reading in verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. 
against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections, or better translation is emotions, and lust. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. The Lord bless you. you. may be seated. The subject of toxic emotions is such a, an incredible problem in our world today. All you have to do is look at what happened uh, last weekend. And you will see the results of what happens when we cannot control our emotions. Our emotions are not wrong. They are all God-given. I do not believe that Satan had any input in the creation of man. I don't believe that Satan had any ability to influence what God did when he created Adam and when he put into Adam everything that makes Adam what Adam is. God put all those there. And every emotion that I have is a direct result of the creation of God. And they all have their place. The problem is our world has taken our emotions and changed them and made them differently than what they should have been. There are two very powerful emotions that we have in our lives, probably the two most powerful. They are love and hate. When love gets hijacked, it will always wind up in hate. And when hate shows up, it will start producing all kinds of other issues that begin to affect us and, and literally destroy us. Research that my brother spoke about tonight indicates that these emotions, when they enter the body, literally cause the body to stop producing the cells that give your body to fight disease. They attack the immune system. Uh, They deplete the killer cells that your body produces that keeps cancer at bay. And new research indicates that over 61% of cancer is actually the product of unforgiveness. So when our emotions get out of check, they begin to cause us all kinds of problems and issues. They are for a purpose. They, first of all, help us to develop relationships. If we didn't have the ability to love, then marriages would never work. Families wouldn't work. There would be nothing but chaos. It's my ability to love that that binds a family unit together. But if something happens in our lives that causes issues, then we start having problems as a result. I've often thought about Solomon and some of the things that Solomon says in his writings. Solomon Ask or when God asked Solomon what he would desire of him as an honor to David, he asked for wisdom. And that wisdom that he discovered that God gave him, and James indicates that God 
today gives it to every man liberally. So if we want wisdom today, all we have to do is ask for it, and it's given to us instantly. So I'm convinced that we are willingly ignorant. We don't want to know, because if we know, we have to change. So it's easier not to know, so I don't have to do anything about my life to change my life. And so as a result, I can, I can live in a blissful state of ignorance that causes all kinds of chaos, and I'm uncomfortable with it. Love is the strongest of all, relation, or all emotions, and it is the most powerful. It has the power to heal. It has the power to change. You see, it's love that gives me the ability to let other people in my life and allow other people to, pardon me, to affect my life. But if I am wounded, what happens? Solomon said that the spirit of a man can sustain his infirmities, but a wounded spirit who can bear You cannot have a negative emotion without a wound. They don't happen. It's not a possibility. So when negative emotions show up, it is a guaranteed fact that there is a wound somewhere that has produced this negative emotion. We can have negative emotions of depression clinically. Depression is defined as anger turned inward. So when anger invades my life and it's not handled properly and it's buried underground, it's going to show up as depression, and that's going to affect the brain's ability to produce neurotransmitters that would cause it to go away. So it becomes a a problem that just feeds on itself and never gets better. It just gets worse and worse and worse. David apparently showed a lot of, uh, of emotions that his son would write about and use as a reference so that he would make that statement, that a man, he can sustain all kinds of, of injuries and, and, and sicknesses and, and battle scars in his life. But if you ever wound his spirit, who has the power to bear it? Because it... It almost destroys us. However, it doesn't have to. All of us can control our emotions. And we can cause our, our, or take control of our emotions and change our emotions if we choose. But we sometimes choose not to. See, our world entitles all of us to be as angry as we want to be. Matter of fact, they have justified are really bad behavior by giving us a diagnosis that allows us to do it and not have to worry about doing it anymore. So all we have to say is that we have a a type A personality, which allows me to be angry as often as I want, as much as I want, and there's nothing I can do about it because it's just this disease I've got. And the fact is, it's just an excuse to be a jerk. Anger is for a reason. God put anger in our lives to help us to survive. It's from God. It has its purpose. And if we ever allow it to be changed into something that it's not, then all of a sudden chaos starts happening. Several years ago, when 
Astroworld was in its heyday, my children talked me into taking them. They were probably 15, 16 years of age at the time. And they had just erected that new ride right as you enter that looked like about a 20-foot diameter piece of pipe that went straight up in the air, uh, probably 100 feet or so or 150 feet straight up. And, and off of the sides were little spokes that had pulleys on them. And there's a cable went all the way up over and back down. And attached to the bottom of that cable was a little seat, looked like a bicycle seat, with a little cage that come down over it. And they'd pull you straight up in the air uh, about 100 foot and, and turn the brakes loose after some noises showed up. And, and after that third sound, whoop, whoop, and on the third one, it would trigger that release. And you'd free fall for some four, five, six seconds. And just before you hit the ground, they put the brakes on. My son dared me to ride it. And he even challenged my manhood for not riding it. He said, Dad, if you was really a man, you'd ride this. I said, Son, I just really don't need to ride this. But, Dad, I want to ride it, so I don't mind. I'll wait. Go get in line. It's not something we ride together because you're going to be on a seat and I'll be on a seat. So it doesn't matter if I'm up there with you or not. So go get in line. Well, Dad, it'll take a long time. That's okay. I'll, I'll just wait here. So... I'm standing here waiting for him to go through that line, which was over an hour, about an hour and 20 minutes worth. And, and probably 10 minutes after he got in line, I'm watching as two people get in line. And I had all kinds of thoughts run through my mind as I'm watching these two people get in line. Because as they get in line, I, I, you, you have to pass this big sign. And on that sign are all these things that if you have them, you shouldn't ride this ride. So if you've got blood pressure issues or heart problems, or, or, or and there were just probably 20 different things on that list that if you've got any of these conditions, don't get on this ride. And by looking at them, it was obvious they had to have at least three of them. <laughs> because the two people who got in line wasn't two kids. It was at least great-grandma and great-grandpa because they had to have been at least 70 years of age. And I'm watching them get in line, and my brain is saying, whoa, maybe. What are they doing here? Surely they're not getting in this line. And I, I watch them talk to one another. I thought, maybe they're looking for kids or grandkids. And, they, they, and then I watch their interactions, and it's obvious they are talking each other into riding this ride. So I thought, I'm going to watch this. And so I watched them as they make their way through the line. Finally, my son comes out, and he gets in the seat. And they not only let you ride the ride, they take a picture of you as you go up and as you come down. When it gets to the top, you can't see what you look like, but their camera will zoom in on you, and they'll show you your facial expressions all the way down and sell you the video when you get through if you want it. So I'm, I'm watching these two people get in line, and Anthony comes out, and he rides it, and, and I ask him when he got off, you want to do it again? He said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so I said, he said, let's go. I said, no, let's wait a minute. He said, what for, Dad? I said, look over there in line. And he looked, and he, when he saw these two people, he said, Dad, 
are they going to ride that ride? I said, it looks like it. Let's watch them. He said, okay, let's do it. So we stood and waited another 10 minutes for all the other people to get on the ride and go up. And here comes these two people, and they get in seats beside each other. And I think it was seat number seven and eight, if I remember correctly. And, and, and they're, it's obvious they're talking each other into what they're about to do. And so they get in the, on the seat, little cage comes down, and, and, and they go up. And, and when they get up where you can't see them, we turn and watch the screen because it's showing them, and they're talking one of them. When it got to the top, it went, whoop, whoop, whoop. And the third one, when the release took place, she nearly lost her false teeth. <laughs> they were half out of her mouth. Her eyes were huge. She needed to scream, but she knew she couldn't scream or her dentures were going to beat her to the bottom. And so he is saying things I can guarantee you he didn't want his grandkids repeating because you can read his lips and he's not saying good words. <laughs> his eyes are huge and he's screaming at the top of his lungs as he plunges to the earth. And just before they get to the bottom, they put the brakes on and stop them and they get off. And I'm watching these two. Now, anybody in their right mind would say, let's go get the kids and go home because we just lost 10 years of our life. It's gone. We'll never get it back. But she grinned over at him and he grinned back at her and they said, let's do it again. And they went back and got in line. Now, the emotion they felt was absolute terror. If you'd have took their blood pressure at the moment, it would have probably pegged 190 over at least 110. Their blood vessels were dilated. Because that's what adrenaline does. Their blood was gorged with oxygen. Well, they could have probably run a mile in four minutes or five minutes because of the adrenaline rush they had. God never intended for fear to give you a high. It is not supposed to be a drug of choice. It's not supposed to produce excitement. It's supposed to let us know danger, danger, danger. Don't do it. Don't go there. Your life's at risk. Because we have become these adrenaline junkies, we have no clue when we're in trouble. When danger shows up, when that little fear begins to peg and and, and all of a sudden, my body responds. My brain thinks it's time to have fun. And I don't realize the danger I'm stepping into. And as a result of this incredible desire that we as Americans have for that adrenaline rush, it's wrecked our emotions. It's wrecked our lives. It's destroying homes. It's destroying relationships because relationships should never be built on fear. And if fear ever shows up, it should be chaos. But because of the excitement we have discovered and 
and this addiction we have developed to these kind of things, we have no clue when it's dangerous. And we walk into areas of our life that have the ability to cause incredible chaos, but yet we don't even recognize that this is chaotic. But it does. Now, anything that tells you in the beginning it's dangerous, but we don't think it's dangerous. So we develop technology that allows us to do stuff that we know we shouldn't do. Our brains know that this is probably not a good idea. But somehow it just doesn't click that, oh, don't go here. So someone sends you a private message. Now, shouldn't that instantly set off every alarm and, 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 and fire trucks are to show up at, at wherever you're at? Why is it private? Why doesn't your husband need to know about it? Why doesn't your wife need to know about it? So we've let things in our life that have the potential to destroy us, not even realizing how dangerous they are because we have allowed our world to change our perception of what's dangerous and what's not dangerous. Things don't just happen. There are a series of events that produces behavior. Unless you're a sociopath who has no conscience, you don't care how you hurt people or when you hurt people, or enjoy watching people hurt, now you're a psychopath if you do that. Unless you have become conscienceless, then the conscience should stand up and say, Stop. Don't. This is chaos. See, what scientists have discovered is that when we enter this pleasure arena or this fun arena or, or this excitement arena that, that causes the brain, what happens when, when your blood vessels dilate and that adrenaline rush rushes to your brain, there's a part of your brain that's triggered. It's almost like you take your finger and thump it. And it suddenly releases this flood of a neurotransmitter called dopamine that rushes all over your brain and it gives you that high. The problem is the regulator that should stop it is not part of it. It's only controlled by a series of nerves that run from that area of the brain to the frontal lobe where your conscience resides. And when pleasure shows up, and these exciting things happen, and it's triggered, there's a message supposed to go to the front lobe that tells the brain what you've done. And the, the reality part of your brain is, should analyze it. It should take it apart. And it should say, okay, th this, this can be incredibly destructive. Probably not a good choice. Don't do that. Don't go there. But when you 
violate that, according to the research, your brain has the ability called plasticity. It can change. So the brain, to, to avoid confusion, my brother Charles, when he was two years of age, fell out of a high chair. And as a result, he had one eye that was crossed until he was 11 and had surgery that corrected that. Because of that injury to his eye, the, the signal that his brain kept getting from his eyes was so mixed up that his brain literally shut that eye off. And he's blind in that eye today, even though it's a perfect eye and has a perfect optic nerve back to the brain because the brain couldn't sort out this conflict and it, it couldn't deal with this problem, with the struggle. So the brain just decides, okay, it'll sever that connection so that this constant problem is not there anymore. And so at that point in my life, I am literally losing my conscience. And my conscience can't say, not a good idea. That could hurt someone. That could wreck your marriage. That could destroy your life. That could destroy relationships. Because we have let these emotions be changed and not even realize how it happened. Because fear became our drug of choice. Well, when fear become our drug of choice, it's Siamese twin is anger. And you can get a higher high from an anger rush than you can any other thing that happens to your body. It's a higher high than heroin, than speed, than meth, than crank, than crack, or any other drug you can put in your body. There is nothing you can do that can give you a higher high than anger. So when we let Fear become our source of excitement or joy, then it opens the door for anger then to also become our excitement. So we have anger issues, and anger becomes toxic. And when you go read all the research that all these people say about these toxic emotions, quite interesting. Matter of fact, let me just read you some of them. Toxic emotions, according to their research, starts with anger is number one. Bitterness is number two. Fear is number three. Then you have boredom, criticism, depression, greed, hate, jealousy, resentment, shame, self-loathing. Those are those toxic emotions that they want to talk about, that, that when we let them in our life, they have this ability to destroy us, wreck us, or, or cause us to start saying or doing things that we would have never in our life thought we would have ever done. How did it happen? By letting the brain enjoy pleasure when pleasure got out of control. Now, pleasure is not wrong, but when it's all we do, then there's a problem. So Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus in the fourth chapter, said, I beseech you that you walk worthy 
of the vocation wherewith you are called. Now that word worthy causes all of us a lot of problem because if I asked you tonight, who's, who in this room is worthy? Are, are any of you worthy of anything God's ever done for you? See, it can become an incredibly negative word. And that's how us humans use it. Because we discovered a long time ago that guilt is the greatest way to control people. And it's one of those powerful, negative, toxic feelings. Honey, if you really love me, you'd let me go fishing. Honey, if you really love me, you'd buy me a new dress. We, we know the power of guilt. And, and when we let our minds use these things, it starts creating all kinds of chaos. We let shame and resentment and jealousy and hate start consuming us. Why? We got injured. And it all starts with love. When you perceive that you haven't been loved correctly, it's going to cause you to start responding if you let the flesh do it, the flesh will make you think nobody loves you. You can't do anything right. That's the war Paul's talking about in the Galatian letter, that it's this flesh I live in. And, and one of the problems we Pentecostals have had is we've tried to blame all these things on the devil when the fact is the devil doesn't have one thing to do with it. It all starts inside of us. If, well, it is a devil. I look at it every morning. And the older I get, the more I realize what a devil it is. <laughs> because it's not any better today than it was 21 or 40 years ago. I, I, I'm not a kinder person at 65. I'm just honest. I, you may not be, but I, I understand. I, I'm, I'm not a gentler person at 65 than I was at 21. I, I'm not more patient now than I was. And you know, I, I, <laughs> we were driving down the road few days, weeks back, and Riley was in the seat beside me, and somebody cut over in front of me real quick, and and he said, hey, dipstick, why don't you go park that thing at home if you can't drive any better than that? <laughs> now, that nine-year-old didn't figure that one out by himself, <laughs> because that nine-year-old heard Papa make those words and use those words, and I didn't realize how effective they were until I heard that nine-year-old repeat what I'd been saying. We don't become better. We don't mellow with age, folks. That's a lie. Matter of fact, your flesh becomes more controlling, more demanding, and more dictating the older you get. Just what I, this is the battle that we're going to fight. And this is the battle we've got to conquer. And we've got to conquer the way our mind operates. Because, folks, you cannot have a toxic emotion without the mind being involved. Matter of fact, let me rephrase that. You cannot have a toxic emotion without your thoughts being involved. It's my thought process that starts producing this because my flesh has, has a record of my life. Now, Paul writing to the church at Philippi said, 
that the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. Okay? Shall keep your heart, cardio, see all these emotions. That's what that's all about. The peace of God is going to keep your hearts and minds. Your word mind is noose or the reflective conscience. We'd call it the stored data and on this hard hard drive right here. All that junk I have recorded in my brain. And it's the peace of God that's going to surround all of that and make sure no enemy has access to it. When you become the child of God, the devil loses all contact with your brain. God's peace surrounds you. And there is not an enemy can get through that line into your brain to cause your brain problems. So if no enemy can get into my brain to cause my brain problems, then how do all these problems show up? When you're baptized in his name for the remission of sin, Paul calls it the blotting out of the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. It's when God says, here's my blood, apply it to your life and erase it. So there's absolute, you got a blank page. There is no record of anything you did in your life when you go down in that water and baptism and you come up out of that water. Or when you come back to the altar after having been baptized and you repent, you get to use the same blood covering again and again and again as often as you need it. So it's covered. There, in heaven, there is no record of anything you've done wrong. That's why God has no problem when you show back up having repeated the same problem you did yesterday. God don't tell you to leave don't come back because you can't ever learn your lesson. You keep repeating the problem. God doesn't run us away because his blood has erased that record and that record doesn't exist anymore. So he sees you as a brand new human being every day you get up. But your flesh don't treat you that way. Because your flesh is in control of the only record that exists. And it's between your ears. Called your mind. And the peace of God will guard your emotions. It'll guard your, all this junk. The peace of God will do that. So if, if the peace of God can do that, then the chaos cannot come from outside. It can only come from inside. So the war is not telling the devil, quit putting thoughts in my mind. It's taking ownership and saying, quit thinking like that, James. That's stupid. You know, you can change your life if you want to. Okay, folks, there's absolutely no reason for us to change other than we like it the way it is. There's no other reason. Now, I've studied all kinds of personalities and and the types of people, and and I can quote you all that stuff, and I can give you the test and tell you what it is, and and I can tell you what I am. And by nature, I'm a very task-oriented person. I, I test in the bottom of the chart. I don't have trouble being alone. I don't mind being in a hotel by myself. Don't bother me. They can drop me off, pick me up when church starts, take me back when it's over. They don't have to entertain me. They don't have to take me to eat. I, I, I'm good company. 
Now, by nature, according to their research, I should be one of the most pessimistic humans that exist. Because that is the major flaw of my nature. That is the major flaw of anybody who's task-oriented as being perfectionistic and pessimistic. But I hate it so much that I refuse to be pessimistic. And you can ask anybody that lives at my house, you want to get me angry really fast? Just say something really negative. I despise it. So you can control what your brain does if you want to control what your brain does. And all this toxicity that exists, it's only there because our world's made it totally acceptable. And our world's entitled us to live in it, to enjoy it, to not get over it. So we live our lives as children, not adults. Now, I remember as a kid, we used to, Eldon lived three blocks from where I did. We've been friends since we were little kids. We used to make fun of people's cars, didn't we? What we call Fords, found on the road dead, or fix or repair daily. And a Pontiac was a poor man's excuse for a Cadillac. <laughs> you know, we just had all these acronyms about. I could care less what you drive. I drive what's cheap. It doesn't care. It doesn't matter whose name tags on it. If it's cheap, I'm going to drive it. I drove them all because I... See, adults can agree to disagree. Children can't. They're going to fight over... There are no kids in here. Stupid stuff. <laughs> Just really dumb stuff. You know what I'm discovering? Working with people, the older you get, the worse you become. Because I'm talking to people that have been married 50 years and they're still fighting over the same dumb thing 50 years down the road that they did in the first year of their marriage. Because we just like to fight. Because it gave us a high. And making up was fun. We got addicted. And the addictions keep producing more problems. And now... See, we, we've, we've, we have become so addicted that we have no fear of God anymore. We have no fear of hell. We've lost it all. Why? Because that addiction causes us, God's not going to. I read to you what Paul said about toxic emotions. Did you notice out of the list I read you from the medical field, how many of those showed up in the book of Galatians that he says are works of the flesh? And he also said that anybody doing this shall have no part in the kingdom of God. 
Now, that's serious, folks. But our world's taught us to just make the Bible kind of disappear and go away. God's really not, he, he's not going to judge people like that. He, he's really not that concerned about what people do. And, and, and so we're, 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 we're nullifying what the Word of God says that changes our lives. You know, there's an incredible story in the New Testament, and, and my time's running out. I've got to hurry up quick. The uh, story of, of Mary and Martha, probably one of the most intriguing stories in the New Testament. And it's only found in the book of Luke, who wasn't there to hear it. He, he didn't hear this story. He didn't see Mary come and fall at Jesus' feet and wash his hair or wash his feet with her hair, or tears, and, and, and dry it with her hair, and, and break that alabaster box, and pour all that oil on his feet. He, he didn't see that. And he wasn't there the day that Mary sat down at the feet of Jesus, and sat there. And then all of a sudden, here comes Martha out of the kitchen. And, and the Bible says she was coming. Literally, it translates, she come swirling and pouring. Like a, it, it describes the actions of a tornado. That's how she entered that room like a tornado. Her movements were so erratic and drastic that it caused a wind in the place. And so Luke describes it as she entered like a tornado and said, Jesus, what is she doing sitting here? I'm in here fixing food for all of us, and I'm, I'm trying to prepare for you to eat and she's sitting here and making me do all the work. Tell her to get up and come in the kitchen and help me. And Jesus said, now what Jesus said is, is incredibly unique. Jesus said that she desires the right dish. See, Mary thinks she's fixing some kind of food that Jesus is going to really like. And Jesus said, you... you She's the one who's found the right food. She, she desires the right dish. Now, the word Mary literally translates bitter. It's Mara in the Old Testament. And it's the name of Ruth, or the daughter-in-law that marries Boaz. Or her mother-in-law. She, she changed her name to Mara, which meant bitter. So Mary means bitter, and Martha means rebellious. Now, what parent would name their daughter bitter and the next one rebellious? That doesn't sound like a very good home, does it? <laughs> kind of like naming your boy Sue, I guess, is what Johnny Cash said. <laughs> Bitter and rebellious. Well, the sister sent Jesus news in John. John's the only one who writes about it too. After the fact. The sisters send a message. Jesus, Lazarus is really sick. You need to come. And Jesus don't come. And Four days later, he said, okay, it's time to go. Mary wouldn't even come out. She stayed in the house. When they came running to tell her, 
Jesus is coming, she stayed home. And Martha jumped up and ran to meet Jesus. And she said, Jesus, if you had got here earlier, I knew, I, we know Lazarus would still be alive. You just didn't get here in time. Now, she had been doing the wrong thing before. And her and Mary swapped places this time. And she's the one doing the right thing at the end. Because she learned somehow to control all of those bitter emotions she was feeling. And as Jesus began to talk to her, she said, I know there's a resurrection. Jesus said, no, no, he's, he's just asleep. But he stinks. He's been dead four days, Jesus. Roll that stone off. Lazarus, come forth. And he walked out of that grave. Whole. We can change our lives. There's no one has to have all this toxic stuff in their life. No one. We can get rid of it. It's going to destroy you physically. According to Meyer Clinic, it's the result of, I think, if I remember correctly, 80% of heart attacks. Now they're saying 61% of cancer. It, it just attacks the whole body and starts causing physical problems to happen as a result. How do you overcome it? First couple I talked to after graduating in 1993 in a pastor's office on the other side of town here got in a fist fight. That was my introduction to us in the pastor's office. He said something she didn't like, and she just jumped up and started swinging, and he jumped up and started swinging back. And, buddy, they were landing blows. I jumped up from behind his desk and ran over there between them, and she hit me in the back twice. Whap, whap. Had bruises lasted a couple of weeks. She nailed me. She had a wicked right. When I got through, I, I walked in the pastor's office, and, and he's laughing. I mean, he, he, he's cackling when I walk in. And I said, what do you expect? Expect me to do with this. All, all that's left of this relationship is an ear and a leg. That lamb's gone. They devoured it. And, and you need a new lamb back? Not going to happen. And he just laughed. Oh, you give up so easy. Now, the last I heard, 25 years later, they were still married and finally got their act together. But they had learned to live their life based on anger, and they let anger control them and, and, and rage control them. But it didn't have to work that way. Now, if you show up in my office and you're going to fight, matter of fact, I watched one, a couple of them in there. They weren't from this church, but we were in that office, and, and they just went at it for about 45 minutes, and finally I started laughing at them. That really made them mad. Finally, they stopped me and said, what are you laughing at? I said, I got one question for you. What's that? What in the world ever convinced the two of you you wanted to spend the rest of your life together? Did somebody hold a gun to your head and march you down the aisle and force you to marry this woman? Was this a shotgun wedding you had no choice in? 
Well, no. Well, what'd you fall in love with? And they'll always grin. What'd you fall in love with? Oh, she's so outgoing. Never met a stranger. Just loves people. Made me feel, feel so special. What's the problem? She's the last one to leave church. She talks to everybody. So whatever you fall in love with, I can guarantee you will drive you nuts because it's the opposite of you. What'd you fall in love? Well, he's the strong, silent type. What's the problem? You don't talk. How do you change this stuff? By doing what you just did now. Now I ask couples, when's the last time you played? See, I heard all my life the family that prays together stays together, but I can tell you it's not true. I can mark several hundred people in here that prayed. They had incredible prayer lines, but they didn't stay together because God didn't intend for prayer to keep your marriage together. Prayer is your relationship to him, not your wife. Your relationship this direction is based on love, not prayer. You're going to learn how to love people. And so you quit playing. And when you quit playing, you have no resources to balance your life. Because that word... Worthy literally translates bringing the balance or level the bar. So Paul said, I beg you to balance your life. And the only way to balance the bad times in life is all the good times. The only way to balance the chaos in life is all the fun and laughter you've had and, and, and all the excitement and joy. God has an incredible sense of humor, and he wants us to have it. He don't want us to look like we sucked on lemons at lunch and, and had limes for breakfast and are going to go anticipate a, a piece of grapefruit before we get through tonight so we can just be all sucked up and bitter. God wants you to laugh and have fun and enjoy life, and that's how you get past toxic emotion. I've never seen anybody that could laugh and enjoy life that had bitterness in their life. You've got to get rid of, of the laughter and the relationship and all the excitement around your house before bitterness can ever show up. You've got to end it somewhere. You've got to stop enjoying the, the, the fun things of life because Jesus said it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God's desire is that all of us enjoy life and we have a happy life and that we, we, can, we can enjoy life because the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? In the, you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can't have those three. You'll try to find them, but you'll never get all three of them. But if you get the Holy Ghost, you got the answer. It'll give you righteousness, it'll give you peace, and it'll give you joy. And you'll count it all joy when you fall into die. It doesn't matter what the struggles of life produce. You can learn to laugh at life. You can learn to laugh at circumstances. It's just life.
Notice Pentecostals say really stupid things. I had an accident, one of many, a few years back, 1993. Cut my fingers off. This one was laying on the floor, and this one was held on by a piece of skin from a skill saw. My dad was helping me, and he panicked, went running in the house. I have no idea what he did, but he, he caused my wife to come out the back door and want to know, what's wrong? And I said, I cut my finger off. And her next words were, are you sure? I said, yes, I'm sure it's laying right there between my feet. I can see it. <laughs> she went in the house, got a bowl of ice, picked it up, put it on the ice, called 911. They were there in a few minutes, 12 hours later. I got them all back. What allows you to go through those kind of chaotic times? Laughter, because we laughed about it. I awake the next morning to hear, my, uh, uh, hear one of my friends talking to my wife. I've been out 12 hours in surgeries. Finally, just come in all that groggy thing of being put to sleep, and I hear this statement. James, your guardian angel wants a reassignment. <laughs> Folks, God's not out to get us. He don't let bad things happen to us. Just life. And you better learn how to play. Matter of fact, what do you think worship is here? You ever see anybody worship with a frown on their See anybody run the aisles looking like they just were, were mad at the world? No. You can't worship without a smile on your face. What's the first thing that happens to somebody when they speak in tongues? Their face lights up with a smile bigger than anything. You just This glow just happens because that's what living for God's all about. And when we get toxic, it's because we quit doing the things God gave us the ability to do. And he gave us this ability to have incredible joy in our lives. Yeah. Joy the world don't understand. How, how can you laugh about those things? Well, you haven't tasted of the Holy Ghost. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Your life don't have to be toxic. They can cause you chaos. Paul said, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Living for God is the greatest life you could ever have. Now, there may be a few heartaches, but that's life. That's not God's fault. I blame Adam, but not God. Adam caused all this mess. God did. It's the greatest relationship. And his desire is not that we suffer depression, have problems with rage or anger or hate or any of this other junk in our life. His desire 
is that every one of us had the best life possible. His desire is you have the best home possible, the best relationship possible. That's his desire. His desire is that you folks know how to laugh around the table, that you enjoy telling things. You know, my kids and and grandkids of mom knew that if they could ever get mom laughing or, or, or tickled while she just took a drink of something, she would spew it all over everybody in the room. And they would wait until mama took a drink of, of, of something and someone would tell something real funny, just knowing what mom would do. Because we had fun at our house. We had lots of fun. So I got a question for all you folks. When's the last time you had fun? If it's been a while, then I'd recommend seriously that you go figure out how to have some fun in life and enjoy life and let God's joy change your life. Please stand.